welcome back. We are talking today, season two, episode three, Dead Man's Chest, mm. also known in some circles as The Long Date. <laughs> <laughs> and we are sitting here drinking tea, and I feel like we should have put something stronger in this. Even though it's Sunday morning, people, we're recording this on a Sunday morning, which I would make the temperance people just mad. <laughs> right. But... I feel like we should be like flouting temperance laws right now for this episode. But did you notice the sign at the door? Tis here we pledge perpetual hate to all that can intoxicate. Oh, right. (laughs) No, I don't actually. Away with rum (laughs) by gum. (laughs) I love that song. It's very sticky. It got stuck in my head way longer than I wanted it to. But (laughs) yeah, no, there is no sign at this door. You know, I have a ton of notes in this. Um... And they're mostly about costumes because yes. we have about a frillion costume changes I in know. this episode. Mine, mine too. Mine are mostly costume. Um, and I mean, there's actually very little in terms of like themes and overarching other stuff. Yeah. The mystery again, who cares? convoluted, really just bizarre. And, and this <laughs> weird sort of yeah. like adult Aussie Goonies <laughs> with One-Eyed Willie's rich stuff. <laughs> And the, the character of Hilly McNaster, she drives me up the wall. Yeah. But, and that, like, I, she's sort of the glue between a lot of the pieces of the mystery. Yeah. But because she drives me crazy and never totally seems to absorb what's going on, it sort of misses. No, she, she is the teetotaling lady who yes. is not a teetotaler at all. Correct. And yeah, didn't see that one coming. <laughs> Little. Yeah, and her son, temperance hypocrisy there. Gerald. Gerald. I I have a note here, all caps. Hate his hair and mustache. He is orange. (laughs) He, you know, this is another menswear palooza episode. But which I love. I know I, love. And I have in my notes like, oh my gosh, Chandler, talk about the menswear. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's a lot of great menswear stuff happening in this. But for I mean, Gerald is obviously a bit of a dandy. Mm-hmm. But he can't comb his freaking hair. <laughs> Explain this to me. <laughs> it's very wavy. Maybe it just has more body than he can handle. I just I can't handle him. <laughs> I can't like I need a drink to like look at that man because. So, at the beginning when they pull when Franny and her carload pull up to that house, she's totally assessing him. Yeah. With her sunglasses like yeah, perched like, halfway down her nose. Are you sleepable with? Exactly. And I think it's so funny. And, oh, he is not. <laughs> yeah, I think she comes to that conclusion pretty early I on. Just, but what I think is uh, interesting is she does it at all. Because that's something women don't do that, or at least not very many that yeah. I know now and certainly not then like that was something yeah. men could get away with like right. they could leer and and assess um the potential bedability of yeah. any woman but like yeah. she does it openly to men and I I kind of love that like, yeah, like I think how it's you sort doing of, yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> and I think Gerald is very receptive to her assessment yeah but. except he's orange and gross and yeah. I, I think part part of what is such a massive turn off for me is he's he's also that blustery you know I'm an adventurer let me tell you a tale of my heroism like just ugh, barf sit and listen to me talk about my amazing life p.s you're orange and you have a stupid mustache (laughs) it's the mustache that Uh, the mustache is completely gross I mean it's a rare man who (laughs) 
with a mustache that doesn't make me angry, but that one, that one especially. <laughs> can you tell I have strong feelings? <laughs> I can, I can, and I'm glad because those, you have strong feelings on the things that I just don't even pay attention to. So, and I'm like, good. plot, what? <laughs> yeah, well, I don't really pay attention to that either. Yeah. Um, so I guess if we want to do a half-assed recap, this is the one where they go on vacation to Queenscliff. Yep. And... A bunch of girls in a car. Uh Uh-huh. And then a whole bunch of murders. And then Phryne convinces... Yes, buried treasure. The hint of buried treasure, which adds a little spark. Also boring. Sorry. The, what, the buried treasure part? Yeah. I just don't care. Yeah, there's not much. It's It's just like spurs on the doubloon talk a little bit more and I still like I know that there are two doubloons and Gerald owned both I I never fully understand the doubloon situation yeah. in this one uh, it's something about the year as well like yeah like it's more valuable if it's earlier or something which I guess makes sense but yeah, yeah. I didn't even get that far this is, and usually you know most of, like if there's some esoteric historical thing I'd be like oh let's go look at that blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but I'm like yeah I don't care <laughs> yeah, I don't care I, about I doubloons really I just didn't. don't and then, of course, Jack has to come. Bring his numismatic expertise and his homicide detective expertise. I don't, I don't Again, know. Again, he's the only cop in all of Australia, apparently. And he has a very wide jurisdiction, apparently. Oh, clearly. <laughs> yeah, I Queens- get the sense that Queenscliff isn't that far away, though. It seems it like isn't. it's a- So I actually I did a, a tiny bit of research on Queenscliff itself. Okay. Um, because it had come up... I think in several of the the Carrie Greenwood books, they mention it. Um, So it is not too far from Melbourne. It's a little bit south around um, Port Phillip Bay, I Mm. believe, is the body of water there. Um, And it was about two hours away on the train. It was like a transportation hub. So it became really a really popular resort town for people from Melbourne. And um, that was in like the late 1800s. I think the 1880s, it was really popular and they built all these resorts. And it was also a hotbed of the temperance movement Mm. because they built um, a lot of alcohol-free hotels which yeah, are called coffee parlors yes, coffee, halls, coffee, or palaces. coffee palaces that's right yeah and um so that's what we're seeing a little bit of in this one and then and then Queenscliff kind of went by the wayside as soon as cars became readily available because mm. nobody like you didn't have to go there anymore right it was great on the train but if you weren't you know restricted to the train then I think it's like the the St. Kilda pier from the the um and you always remember the names of the episodes, but I never do. The one with the the finishing the finishing school for girls. Where oh, the, Queen uh, of the Flowers. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know the re- the reason why St Kilda was such a popular beach destination for working class people was because they could get there on the streetcar. Right. It was at the end of the streetcar line. So yeah, its accessibility is is a big one. Um, I did do a little bit of digging into temperance unions because I think that yet again is another interesting cultural touchstone that they've kind of used as the background for this. And that's one of the things I love about this show is that they do that. And um, temperance unions were particularly big in Australia. I think like so many things, like circuses, like like so many of these other things, um, the these were big in the English-speaking world because it's another hallmark of Victorian society. They were uptight and didn't like to change their clothes on the beach so they had their little <laughs> bathing huts and they um <laughs> and they were fairly religious and they had problems with alcohol and and you know to be fair 
I think alcohol had kind of gotten out of hand and then 18 in the UK in like the 1850s and 60s there were a lot of laws passed um there were gin acts and other things Hmm. because people were making kind of homemade bathtub gin and everything else and there were a lot of people ending up in prison for drunkenness so I think there was a little bit of a public outcry happening for this stuff but I think a lot of it was just the society at the time um and America had a big temperance movement as well, um, especially actually starting all the way back in the American Revolution, but especially in the 1820s. And it really, um, the American Temperance Society was founded in 1826 and had 1.25 million members, Whoa. if you can imagine that in no, that that's, time. that's a lot of people. Yeah. But what what's kind of interesting is that a lot of these temperance movements suffered setbacks every time there was a war. Hmm. So during the Civil <laughs> War in the U.S., um, the temperance movement there really had a huge setback because people were like, oh my God, we're at war, give me a drink. Mm-hmm. And I think the same, I think similar things happened after World War One and sort of the backlash to World War One. So, um, but you know, the Salvation Army was founded as a temperance society. Right. Um, and, and in Australia, apparently during World War One, there were a lot of laws passed, like early bar closure times um, in both Australia and New Zealand. So it's it's definitely an undercurrent mm-hmm. to the society. They talk about sly grog every once in a while. Yeah, I think, is that that's that's alcohol being is served that, after six p.m. I th- is that think right? that's right. And people were also making kind of homemade hooch. I know that was a big thing in the United States, particularly in the Ozarks and Appalachia, mm. um, because it was hard to find these people. They lived in these really remote areas. Sure. There were very famous mountain distilleries in Arkansas, <laughs> West Virginia. Um, White Lightning is a hallmark of Arkansas. <laughs> um, and, you know, some of this stuff is terrifying. Like, you could go blind drinking yeah. some of this stuff. It was really awful, awful, awful stuff. But, you know, people... Drinker's going to drink. Right. <laughs> Unfortunately, I think that's the same, those are the same areas that have been hit really hard with the meth epidemic because of the same reasons. Yeah, I think, I think that's true. I mean... And I, I would say terrible alcohol is preferable to even the best oh of God, meth. Oh, <laughs> God. I know. I, yeah. And, and, you know, that's yet another thing that's sort of, sort of in human nature. Like, humans have always sought out ways to alter their consciousness mm-hmm. and whether that's pot or alcohol or whatever. And, and whatever my personal opinions are, this stuff doesn't matter. Like it's, it's a reality and it always has been. And it's not just for humans either. Every animal has a way of doing that. And what I found, which is fascinating when I worked at this big, I worked at a movie theater long ago in a big old building that had big old building problems. And one of them was the phone line was always going out. And so we'd have to call the phone people. Like I, it felt like every month, but yeah. it wasn't, but the guy would come and he hated coming to our place. Cause it was just such a beast of a building. Yeah. And he said, Oh yeah. Do you know that mice love to chew on phone wire? And I was like, well, why? Cause I figured it was, they taste good or something. He said, cause it zaps them just <gasps> a little bit. And it's oh the my hit. God. Like they they want a hit of that sweet Mice sweet getting phone high. cord. Oh, but then of yes. course if they OD, they're dead. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to bite too hard. I don't know if it actually like if they bit clean through. It must. I don't know if it kills them, but like just the idea of even mice need a way to alter their consciousness. Yeah. Well, was I mean, kind of amazing. Squirrels do it. Like yeah. 
I think every creature has its its way. Yeah. So I had a similar conversation. I don't. We should like talk to these power guys because I think they must have really interesting stories. Yes, they do. Our power went out. <laughs> now we live in Tacoma, Washington, where I don't know about your neighborhood, but I've lived here eight years, and our power never goes out. We yeah, have a really stable either. power grid for some reason, yeah. and we don't get big thunderstorms here, so it's kind of a big deal if the power does go out. And mm-hmm. the power did go out last summer pretty spectacularly we heard a we heard a pop Mm. um and it was really late at night and we live in a neighborhood full of older people so we were the only ones awake so I called it in and said oh the power went out this never happens and I had this long conversation with the guy and he's like oh yeah it's probably the squirrels getting into the transformers because the squirrels like to chew on the wires and you should just see them when they go frying and I'm like okay (laughs) we can stop now (laughs) but I had no idea that it's Squirrels, yeah, raccoons do it too. Getting a little little hit of something, yeah. I every animal, I guess everybody wow. needs needs to <laughs> be out of their mind to Need some a little degree. Soma holiday, yep, yeah, a little bit. But yes, it's fascinating. Wow. Um. So back to Sly Grog and Prohibitions, and yeah. I. So I took a really fantastic women's history class in college. And we talked a lot about the temperance movement, about um, prohibition, and and women's role in that. Yeah. And it makes sense because who suffered the majority of the abuse right. as a result of That's men right. drinking? I mean, it makes perfect That's sense. That's right. It was the same during the American Revolution. After the Civil War, it was the temperance movements were primarily spearheaded by women. But then I also wonder, like, what? how did that play out in the households where this was a battle. Oh yeah. Like that, I I feel like that was actually a pretty risky stance for a lot of wives to take. Yeah. You know, you bring up an interesting point with that, this kind of domestic struggle um, and politics being very personal. Um, In when Jessica Spring and I were working, you know, one of our dead feminist projects about um, we did, we did one about, suffrage in Washington state, which Washington women got the vote 10 years before women did nationwide. And one of the ways that they came together to get the vote in the state was they published a cookbook hmm. um, in 1909 for the AYP, the Alaska Yukon Pacific Exposition, which was held in Seattle. It was sort of like a world's fair. Um, and it was, it, so there are all sorts of exposition halls and different categories of things that people were showing off. It's sort of like a state fair, but on a much bigger scale. Um, and they published this book called The Washington Women's Cookbook. And it looks like an innocuous cookbook, but it's it's filled with propaganda. Hmm. Like votes, you know, votes for women. And and the, the in the introduction of the book, there's a quote where they say, um, give us the vote and we will cook the better for a wide outlook. <gasps> and it's basically aimed at the men in their lives, kind of like the, the way to a man's heart is through his stomach, the right. way to a man's vote, because they couldn't get the vote unless the men voted for it. Right. And so they're basically saying, like, if you give us the vote, we are going to be, we're, your home life is going to be so amazing because we're going to cook you all of these amazing things, which to me, subtext reads, don't give us the vote and you're going to suffer at home. Yeah. <laughs> like, Hello, arsenic. <laughs> yeah. Well, or even just, you just, know, like yeah. we're not, our heart's not going to be in it. Yeah. You know? I, and I think that's really interesting that, that they had to fight that battle in their own homes. They had right. to convince their own husbands and fathers and uncles, brothers, sons to vote for this for them. Hmm. And I think that's really interesting. It is. It is. I, 
Sorry to bring it back to current politics, but that's, I mean, that yeah. kind of situation, I think, is what we saw play out. Like, well, and, and people, we, people love the term they love to throw about right now is identity politics. You know, that, that, that really reared its head when Obama was running. Oh, people are just, you know, black voters are voting, him, voting for him because he's black. And now, you know, women voters are voting for Hillary because they're women. But people have always... Identity politics have always been a thing, always. You know, men, when men were the only ones voting, they voted for their interests. They Mm -hmm. weren't voting for things that affected women directly. But I think it's so interesting how women still vote for things that affect men. So the women who saw their husband lose his job at the factory because Mm -hmm. the job was sent overseas is angry about it, angry to watch what happened to her husband, blah, 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 blah votes for Trump. Like, even though it's against her best interest, she's still voting for his interests. And how long is it going to take to get away from that? Because we've been doing this for like centuries now. And yeah, I I think, I mean, once again, that was, that was one of the, the symbolic pieces of this election that was so disheartening, but, but it really, I feel like plays right back into the temperance movement, the right. prohibition movement, and suffrage all of that. and all these other things of how hard it is to get for women to have been able to get men to vote for these issues that they cared about. Mm-hmm. But then women readily vote for things that affect people other than themselves. Right. Or, you know, during the civil war, women leading these drives for, you know, knitting socks for, mm-hmm. for men out on the front or, you know, gathering, you know, rolling bandages or gathering supplies, whatever. I mean, these women really, they took it to heart, these things that were happening because in it, even women who didn't, who weren't married or who didn't have a father on the front lines or, or whatever. I mean, they knew that these things affected them personally. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just a global issue. And, and that brings me to my, my other point is that people love to talk about how now we live in this global society and everything affects everybody. But we have lived in a global society for a much longer time period than people think. Mm. And um, I think imperialism was a big part of that. Mm-hmm. But I think especially after World War One, World War One really was a global problem. And people from all over the world fought in that war and were affected by that war. And you see, and I think that's part of why so many of these countries had very similar problems and societal shifts and societal trends and mores in the 1920s after the war because they were all affected by this war. So I, I think it's kind of disingenuous to say, well, only now, now with technology, we mm-hmm. have this global society. But they very much did in the 1920s as well. Yeah, that's really true. And yeah, at one point, Franny says there are ships bound to America every day Yeah, with the uh, sly grog that's yeah. Apparently, like a hundred proof. Well, and yeah, and alcohol was one of the major, was one of the big things. Mm-hmm. Rum was one of the points in the slave triangle. Right. Yeah. Dating back to the slave trade. So, you know, rum was one of the key components of that. So, yeah, that has been, alcohol has been a global trade item for centuries. Screwing people up since the dawn of time. <laughs> right. What the um, heck were we? Where I know. Go from so here? back to the episode. Um, I this one is just so fun and vacationy. The yeah. tone is different. I think even the lighting is different mm. in this episode. It's a lot of natural of, light. Yeah, very natural. Kind of almost um, washed out, but not in a like in a 
pleasant way. Yeah, like, in not a like a sun sun bleached sun bleached. Yes, yeah. yes. This sun is a kissed. sun bleached episode, and the music is kind of light and jaunty. Yep. And I think the banter is also light and jaunty, and we get a ton of banter, and yeah. it's awesome. I, it's interesting to see also that this episode and the following one, they both use a, a handheld or a, a camera mounted to a machine to document things. So at the beginning of this, in the next episode, you have the roller coaster cam, mm-hmm. and in this one, at the very beginning, we have the camera mounted on the Hispano Suiza. Yeah. Very, so we see yeah. these these this car full of women, and what I love is that Dot and Aunt P are looking variously, you know, terrified or nauseated. <laughs> Green in the and gills. Jane doesn't react. <laughs> She's know. sitting there reading her book. <laughs> um, there, I love that that whole first scene is just chock full of good stuff. <laughs> I mean, there's the they almost run over the guy in the snazzy striped apron. I may add. <laughs> um, <laughs> under my menswear category here. <laughs> um, there's also the, the picnic basket with the wine that they're lugging up together and then they see the temperance poster and then they just turn and right they, around and lug it back to the car. Right, right around. Um, and then, I, I don't know, I just, I'd love that whole, that whole scene. It's just jam-packed with little nuggets of things. And then, of mm-hmm. course, Gerald comes out in his, all his glory. Um, can I talk about his outfit, please? Yes, please do. So, I, like, wow. What, <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Snappy dresser, I guess, but turned up to 11. Like, it's like little Lord Fauntleroy grew up. <laughs> you know? What, so what is the edging? Like, is it edging? Is it piping? It's, okay. it's piping. And it, if, um, when I was watching this with my husband, he was like, that's blanket stitch. I'm like, no, it is not. It is striped piping mm-hmm. on the bias, which is really interesting. So they would have taken striped fabric and then turned it on the bias, which actually makes it stretchier. Um, to be able to go around those little corners, like on his lapels. And the thing that really got me about that piping is how wide it is. That's like half inch piping. Have yes. you ever seen half inch piping in I your really life? Because I haven't. No, I, it was incredibly wide. Especially That's why I wasn't not sure on menswear. I wasn't sure if it was even called piping at I, that point. I think it. But what? Yeah. I mean, no matter. It is. I think incredibly, it is technically piping okay. because piping. Although you know what, it it might. It may not be. I should re- I should look at that again because it may be a binding instead. And I think that. Oh yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. Any listeners who sew, I'm not. I'm not a sewer, so I'm only gleaning tidbits here. But I believe the difference between piping and binding is that binding is sewn around the outside of a piece of fabric and then blind hemmed on one side. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's how you finish a quilt. Right. There's a binding strip around the outside. Um, but piping is actually piping is a is is a piece of fabric that sticks out between two seams, and and so yeah, I think this actually might be binding and not piping because yeah. piping you would have it you would have between another, the two mm-hmm. it would be sticking out between the two pieces of the the front and back of the lapel. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's the case here. I think it's actually binding yeah. strips, which is also really interesting, and also which would make sense for why it's so wide because you can't. You can't do binding that's that skinny, it, not yeah, easily. Pipe, piping would be, yeah, it would flatten. I mean, yeah, piping is just folded in half yeah. and stuck out, and you don't have to finish the piping because it's inside the seam. Mm-hmm. But um, binding is a finishing technique. Why they would put binding around a p- lapel, I have no idea, but it's really interesting. And I spent a long time staring at that <laughs> suit. And it's a linen suit, which would be a nightmare to. Uh, maintain, but it's beautiful. <laughs> and he has a linen tie, which I love. Wow. Um, and the saddle shoes. He's wearing these 
brown saddle shoes that are just stunning. I mean, the whole... The whole the whole effect is rather eye frying, really, because it's just too much. And P.S. He's orange, but <laughs> the thing that I think is really interesting about Gerald is that he's into the contrast. Like he wears a couple different suits in this in this episode. One, he has a a white linen suit jacket, but he's all about the contrasting waistcoat. And and when he, the the suit he's wearing at the beginning with the the piping slash binding, um, he's wearing a white linen waistcoat under that, which I think was originally supposed to go with his white suit, but he swapped waistcoats because huh. with the white suit, he's wearing the blue waistcoat that would have gone with the striped, oh, wow. the striped outfit, um, which I think is fascinating. Yeah, good and catch. shout out to the men out there. So my husband, his thing is he wears waistcoats. He sews his own, he wears waistcoats because they're useful and it's like a utilicilt for what? old fashioned dudes. What's useful about it? Pockets. Oh, yeah. Well, Lots yes. of you know my view on pockets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, he, and he wears a pocket watch, so it's a watch pocket, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> That's very standard on a waistcoat. The correct way to wear a waistcoat is to not button the bottom button. Okay. And Gerald gets it right every time. Way that go, last Gerald. button is unbuttoned. <laughs> so there, that is, that is my spiel. There are just so many costumes in this episode there that are. made me drool and like my heart rate. Yeah. So the coat that she's wearing as they're pulling up to Queenscliff is mm. this beautiful burgundy and white dotted. Yes, like, that polka dot. Yeah, it's a polka dot, but it's like... But the dots are really close together. They are, and I think it's it's woven like you, like on the, I think on the flip side, you'd see the opposite color. Yes. And she also has a matching scarf. That's Which I think would be a, jacquard. Yeah. So a jacquard yes. woven, Yeah. Yeah, um, so I think it. I think that is how it's made, but it's just stunning. Mm-hmm. This like long car coat, and then the matching scarf with some kind of gold thing, like a gold scarf underlay as well mm-hmm. to kind of set it off a little mm-hmm. bit. Because it's, I'm never, I'm, I'm sort of on the fence about like pairing a matching scarf with the garment. You know, like yeah. the same fabric, but they do it really well yeah. here because I, I think that's unusual, but. It works. It helps that, that she is the most confident woman who yeah. ever lived, so yeah. she can pull off. She could pull, she off, could pull off a, a gunny, gunny sack. sack. <laughs> 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 I want to see that. Oh. You know, it's not out of the realm of possibility. I could see that. She could totally into place rock somehow. a potato sack. like uh. <laughs> Hiding on a ship. Yeah. Hell yeah. 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 Blending in with a gunny sack. Um, also, Dot's embroidered hat. I love that, that embroidery oh, yeah. piece on her little cloche hat. And she wears it again in the next episode. Yes. She does. It's got it's it's rather large, but I think it, it really that it's embroidery. It's really sweet. It's really sweet. Mm-hmm. It's really nice. It's perfectly dot. And I'm and I don't know. I like to imagine that she did that herself. Like that she's sitting at the kitchen table embroidering this little this little doodad on her hat. I can imagine that. Yeah. Yeah. While Mr. B is puttering and, and she's making got drops you know scones. loaves in the oven or, or whatever. <laughs> right? I, I just I, it's like a little bit of flashiness for dot, mm-hmm. which we don't see very much of, and it's it's nice to see. Um, even Jane is wearing some beautiful kind of embroidered blouses and linen pattern work. Mm-hmm. Really beautiful, beautiful stuff. And um, what's his name? What's her name? Mrs. McMaster, our annoying teetotaler. Hilly, Hilly McMaster, yeah. Yes. Her, it's interesting that her clothing is was once rich, but it has kind of a shabbiness to mm-hmm. it now and i can just see the costume department like we need to distress this velvet <laughs> <laughs> quick 
Yes. Get out the sandpaper. Right. <laughs> There's at least once, maybe twice in the series of books where Dot is charged with having to shabify a brand new outfit. Shabify. And it's really, it's a fun scene to hear what all she's had to do to make these things look horrible. But yeah, yes, sort of, you can imagine. She also has to mend things. Right. So like that, sometimes that's part of it. Like you may rip it and then mend it and then make it shabby once again. Yeah. And there are all these layers that are kind of fun to think about. But yeah, I mean, it, that is perfectly in keeping with the McNaster fortune going by the wayside. Yes. And yeah, there are lots of skirts. I read from Marion Boyce that she designed that Phryne wears trousers more often than a typical woman would have. Well, mm. even that than she probably would have in yeah. the 20s, but because of the action in the show, like right. Franny really has to be Well, you can't climb up and, a drain pipe in a skirt. Exactly. So because of all of the things that Franny has to do, they put her in trousers more often right. than probably would have actually happened. But in this episode, there are a lot of skirts, which mm-hmm. I think probably would have been the the typical. Like, And I think the, also skirts are slightly less formal than a dress. Mm-hmm. And so I think that also nods to the beach. The, yeah, beach the side. vacation aspect. Yeah. yeah Even true. Aunt P is in skirts and blouses rather than gowns. And huh. Aunt P is wearing this beautiful linen jacket at the beginning in the car that we get some nice close-ups of. And it has this really... And I think it's undyed linen. It's that it's hmm. that kind of very pale French gray color that linen is when it's undyed. And it's got this beautiful, delicate white embroidery of sort of a laurel pattern around the cuffs of the sleeves and around the collar. And it is just gorgeous. Hmm. So I love that they actually put... And Aunt P should be wearing finery because she's right. filthy rich. Right. But I love that they actually... You know, people tend to ignore, I think, the, the dowdy made... You know, the dowdy mm-hmm. dowager aunt... But she wears some pretty spectacular things in this episode. And she gets a lot of costume changes as well. Yeah, she does. It's nice to see. And Dot's wearing that gorgeous um, mauve coat with the interesting... The dart. The darts. Yeah. 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 She wears that a lot. She That kind of... It's, I think it's cotton. I think that... Is that, it cotton? It looks like cotton. it linen? It okay. could be linen. It, it looks... It's, it's got a crispness that looks like cotton to okay. me. Okay. I love the the interesting darts on there, and I think we've talked about this before. Yeah, we did. Um, she wears it again in the next in the next episode as well. You're right. There are a lot of um, blouse and skirt pairings in this episode. I mean, it, that it does make sense, sense. if yeah, you're like, if you're on vacation and it's together, warm but, weather. You're right. not going to be well, wearing. That's. I think there's a lot of linen too because of right. the warm weather. Right. Exactly. Um, that's Friday's why anything this... that's set in like India, like yeah. colonial India, everyone's in linen, linen. because it's hotter and blazes out there. <laughs> Franny's um, ivory skirt in that first, the first thing she's wearing under the beautiful jacquard coat yes. is this bias cut, creamy, ivory linen skirt. And it's very, it's plain, like there's no embroidery. The there's the no, no, that's the next one okay. that I love. Yeah. But no, just the, just the really simple bias cut linen skirt is yes. just gorgeous. And again, because of the flow, like yes. because of the movement and because it's just paired so perfectly with that yes. sort of, it's like a sailor-esque blouse that she's wearing. It's like a deep blue with, with red piping. Oh yeah. I wrote and down the red piping. I yeah. love the red piping. And she wears my favorite Naples yellow shoes with that outfit. That's right. As well. Those are my favorite shoes. That's um, right. And it's interesting that it, that that skirt, if it's cut on the bias, um, that's an interesting touch because linen, um, linens, I guess, 
attribute or maybe even flaw, depending on what you need it for, is that it blooms when you wash it or even if just wearing it for extended periods, it blooms lengthwise. What do you mean? Like it stretches? It stretches. Okay. And linen actually normally has, and they call it blooming because linen actually doesn't have stretch. If you pull on it, it it has zero stretch, but the fibers relax over time. And it's always a problem, especially if you're knitting with linen, it always gets longer lengthwise (laughs) and usually after you wash it. And so by cutting it on the bias, it would prevent a lot of that. That's right. Yeah. Um, So it would keep that um, shape. It would keep it crisper longer. And, Having a linen skirt is always, or linen trousers, whatever. Linen is beautiful and drapey and wears like iron because it's got a very long staple, very rigid fiber. Um, But it is so hard to keep crisp because especially anything you sit on, like a skirt, as soon as you sit on linen, it just crumples. So I I love that she can pull off this. And, And that's also why she would have this kind of long jacket because it would hide anything where she's actually sitting on like the seat of that skirt Hmm. would get pretty rumply even Mm -hmm. after an hour. So having that long jacket to kind of hide that is a nice touch. Huh. That makes sense. Go linen. (laughs) Go linen. Yay. Natural fibers. I know they, um, the, the costume department really stayed true to the era. Yeah. So they didn't use any like Lycra or spandex or anything. That is one of my biggest pet peeves. Natural fabrics that would have been around like silk and linen primarily. Yep. Yep. Um, I live in a big natural fiber household and my (laughs) husband always sews with natural fibers only. And he has been known to go to fabric stores and the only way to, to reliably test a fabric to make sure it is not secretly a blend is to burn it. And most reputable fabric stores, like that actually work with garments, will let you take a tiny swatch and light it on fire in their store. <laughs> Do they have a special like little room where you can no, light things just, on fire? So when we lived in Minneapolis, there's there's this huge fabric warehouse there called SR Harris. It's up on the north end of town, and it's for um, it's for people who design garments. It's sort of like mood fabrics in New York City, okay, but it's, I'm, yeah, I'm noting this right now. Yeah, SR S- Harris. Okay. And it's this massive warehouse. And like many of those massive warehouses, they don't really label what everything is. It's just bolts and bolts and bolts and bolts of fabric. <laughs> right. And you kind of have to, like, it sort of says what it is, but you often have to test it because they just don't care. Hmm. And so whenever we'd go there, we'd bring a lighter. <laughs> and my husband would, like, go up to customers and say, hey, can I get to have a tiny swatch of this? And they'd cut him, like, a little one-inch square. And then he'd light it with the lighter. And if it's wool... 100% wool, it will stop burning as soon as you pull the mm. flame away. Okay. If it's linen or cotton, it'll burn up like paper and you'll get little crisp edges. If it has any synthetic in it whatsoever, it will melt and not burn. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So huh. we I spent a lot of time Fascinating. watching my husband burn, burn fabric at a store. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> it's got to smell really bad. Yeah. Yeah. You get the kind That's of why I wondered if I have like plastic-y. a little chamber. Like a burning, like a smoking chamber. chamber you know, I for... think only the really hardcore people do this. So <laughs> yes, I would. Count... Let's get Tim Gunn in here and ask right. him if he. No, I would. I would count your husband among those. He's pretty hardcore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's so funny. Well, it's important because if you if it's if it turns out to be a blend, it it affects how you launder it and everything right. else. And yeah, so I love. You're right. I love that they really stuck. They stuck to that. They actually mm-hmm. used natural fibers and. You can really tell. It really shows. Yeah. And they, I mean, because of that, because there is no stretch, they had to use things like bias cut and, Mm -hmm. and do things a little bit differently, like work with the construction so that she could move, so that all the characters could move. And you know, maybe that's back to Gerald's 
suit. Maybe that's why there's that binding around the seams. Maybe that makes the, because it is a linen jacket and linen crumples. Mm. Maybe that strengthens it a bit. I don't know. Yeah, it it keeps the lines a little bit cleaner. It could be. Huh. (laughs) I really do love that jacket. It's so... I just wish it were on anybody but him. <laughs> we put um, Jack in that thing? He's sort of... Jack, he's, Jack would be able to pull Jack that off. Jack would not pull that off. No, like, we would think less of Jack if he put that it's, on. Yeah, he'd be too much of a dandy. Yeah. No, it's for... I mean, this guy's kind of a buffoon. He is a dandy. He's like he a milk toast fop. Yeah. Yeah. Not so, really milk toast because he climbs mountains and kills right. people. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler alert. So he... Okay, going back real quickly to the plot. Um, so he like stole the one from the museum because they wouldn't give him yep, money. I'm unclear on this. I, the motivation behind the theft was, yeah, a little rickety. And so, so now he has two doubloons. Right. And he, but, but he, but his mother accidentally gave his more valuable doubloon to these people to the as severance pay. As, yeah. I think so. And then he tried to get it back, and then it slipped in the cracks, and then, and then everybody's he, looking like, for it. And he, went on a murderous rampage, which I still don't believe. Like, I don't... We've we've established yeah. that he's just... He's just gross. Like, he's a gross human. Yeah. But, um, but a gross human does not necessarily murder two people right. to get the balloons back. Like, it just didn't... I didn't really believe that he could have done that. I know... Yeah. I mean, they, they keep hitting it in the episode that this was his whole life. Like, his whole life's work was these doubloons. He got all his fame and fortune and blah, blah, blah. So, like, I, he has a lot of emotional investment in these doubloons. But I, I guess, still, but the man is, like, 35 or yeah, 40. I, like, really? Yeah. Is your life done now that you, you found your stupid doubloon in the jungles of wherever, Peru or whatever it was? <laughs> like... Yeah. That's it? it it just wasn't very plausible, but and and it, and especially since I mean that type that that archetype of the adventurer blah blah blah, the way they're usually portrayed is it's not okay. I found my doubloon now I'm done. Like they're right. always out for the they're next always thing. On the like quest. okay, let's yeah. now go climb Mount Everest. Okay, let's go dive in the Mariana's yep. Trench. Like what? It, right, like the thing that they bring back is the least of their interest, almost right. because and they're just immediately on to the next mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, so. I, I, it's hard to it's hard to believe that <laughs> he's a little lazy adventurer or something like right. <laughs> I did, I mean, I did yeah, my one is, adventure. He I'm is good. so he is so young. If he were in his sixties or seventies, you could see like okay, he's yeah. he's tiring of the hunt. Like we get it. He's cooling down. Or you know, you know he's Sir Edmund Hillary and he's ninety years old and right. he needs a little help walking around. Like I yeah yeah. But, but this he was a young man. He should have been off on his next adventure instead of pining over his doubloons. Yeah. He already got fame and fortune from it. Like, let's move on, you know? You bring up a, a memory of mine. This is very random, but it's kind of funny. Um, I, so, um, a friend of mine wrote a short story for me once a long time ago that I used in an artist book. Um, and it, and the first line of the story is Sir Edmund Hillary was tired of living. <laughs> But Sir Edmund Hillary turns out to be a pet. Oh, nice. That's really funny. Yeah. So now That's whenever perfect. I hear about adventurers and things, I think about that line. Sir Edmund really Hillary funny. was tired of living. So uh, continuing on the costume theme, can we keep going yes, there? Go okay, because I, I, that's the majority of my notes here. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. So later that day... Jack comes to town. I think it's the same day. Don't know. But yeah, 
whatever, the next scene with Jack, she's wearing that fantastic white V-neck sleeveless. Oh, yeah. Velvet, but also gown. It's a gown. gown. It is is a a gown. gown. And it is gorgeous. And we first saw that in Blood and Circuses. That's when we first... um, That's right. Saw her wearing it when they they had a talk about foil at the end of the show. They were in her parlor. And, um, yeah, it is so stunning. It's edged with white bugle beads there's mm-hmm. some beading like in within the the gown so that you have this texture that's just incredible it's like crushed velvet plus beads yes and it's and just, she's wearing one of those enormous yeah paste jewel costume jewelry i assume it's paste I, because i don't know but i mean none that's of like this the, that's like the size of the hope diamond i'm pretty sure it's but a paste. Is it, okay the fake the pendant itself is that is that one, it looked like many, many diamonds or like something um, studded with lots of little maybe. stones. Maybe. It seemed like there was one big was, stone There was there, like but... one big metal pendant part, yeah. but I think, I think it's studded okay. and not just one stone. Okay. But regardless. Yeah. It's stunning and would have cost a fortune. Oh yeah. Paste or otherwise, I would think. Um and then that, of course, is the amazing scene where they're holed up in the bedroom <laughs> and she's got the bottle of hooch and he's drinking and he's not drinking he's because not he's drinking. on duty. So he's got that blue willow teacup. Yep. And I, she's like got envelopes in her bra. She's got, and, yes, she's stuffed things in every <laughs> nook and granny of her outfit. Um, <laughs> but the, I she's love, got a knife in her garter, I'm right. sure. And an <laughs> yeah, envelope right. and then in her the cleavage. Lockpicks. Yes. Yeah. All of the things. Yeah. But that scene... They are so cruel. They are so cruel to us. I know. When they switch from, I think they're like Dot's picking up Mr. Butler at the train station, and then we transition Which is a over. scene I love, by the way, when he brings that suit for oh, the... Oh, yes, for Kip. Yes. And then I love the line, so she's welcoming him, and she's saying, you got here just in time, there's been a murder. And he said, is that one less for dinner then? <laughs> I love that line. So good. And then we then we go back to that evening at the McNaster Mansion, and and it they opens with, with her making sex yes. noises. Yes, and that's what's so cruel is they pan like from one side of the room, and we hear all of these gasps and her like breathily saying "Jack, Jack, no shh." And then and so we're like, oh my gosh, oh my god, is it happening? Is is something finally? Ha-? And I, then no, no, I didn't fall for that. I was no. like, they're gonna make some joke there's some gag here yeah so cruel it's hilarious but it is still a very intimate scene they're sitting on the chaise and she's got that gorgeous dress and he's pouring her champagne and and i, I mean, love that she's flirting with him with temperance language oh, when she's the lips that touch liquor shall never touch mine <laughs> i preferred my darling so yeah they have this wonderful i mean they and that on the phone where he's like my darling yes yes <laughs> I'm glad I'm forgiven. And they did it on the phone a little bit too. She's trying to get him there and eventually he just falls and he's like, it's going to take me this long. And she's like, not if you drive faster. And so they're sort of bargaining back and forth about how long. We've already discarded the fact that like he's got work to do at home and probably shouldn't make this trip logistically, but whatever. Now they're just on to like, how long is it going to take you to get here? And it's really cute. Oh, and I love it. So and then great. he gets there and they continue the banter. And yeah, he's reading the, the inscription on the, the fob watch and she's reacting to every line. And they're so cute together. Yeah. They're adorable. Yeah. Like the, the chemistry in the show is just unrivaled. It is off the, off chart. the chain. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, 
there is, I'm going to back up just a tiny bit. Um, there's this bit where aunt P is asking, she's trying to, she, she doesn't yet understand that, um, Mrs. What's it, who I never remember. Yeah. I actually have it written down as Mrs. What's it. Um, (laughs) no, that was a previous episode. (laughs) I think I do that a lot. What's it? (laughs) She, I think, I think prudence hasn't figured out that she's in reduced circumstances quite yet. And, um, or maybe she has, but she's asking about gifts she once gave, like wedding yes. gifts. Where is that thing? And in my family, we call that gift stocking. <laughs> I <laughs> love that. That's perfect. Which is, yes. we, we have some family members who are sort of infamous for doing it a lot. And so they'll give you a gift and then ask about it. Like right. sometimes years later, like, are you using that thing I gave you? Or where's that thing I gave you? I don't see it. And <laughs> And my aunt especially will say, your gift stocking, stop it now. It's <laughs> great. hilarious. I love that term. I love it's that perfect. auntie is gift stocking her. And yeah, she really how is. How long ago did she give her those right? candlesticks or whatever for they their, are? It was like, a, I for, think a, a pair, gift. It I was thought. a pair of jade vases. Oh, that's for right. For their wedding, which must which have, been have been like, like decades ago. Right? Yeah. Yeah. No, gift stocking is it's perfect. A perfect term. Um, yet another, like they, they really nail the old lady houses in this show <laughs> because they're, they're always throwbacks yeah. to, you know, like Franny's very fashion forward in mm-hmm. her clothing and interior decorating, but all like Aunt P, Mrs. What's it, they all have these vic- very Victorian houses that are still stuck in that era. Yeah. Um, so like the, the big, like the tacitly lampshades and the huge heavy drapes and the poofy chaise long and right. all of these they have like know. laura ashley type prints sometimes i know i know oh, i'm I making know. barfy She's faces making for gagging yeah faces i <laughs> totally agree <laughs> yeah oh um, so there's a little detail in the kitchen that i went nuts for which there's in the corner there's a little three-legged pot shelf with graduated yes. sizes of pots. Oh my gosh. I love. I, I love that, that too. I want that That's so, so bad. funny. I, yes, it was behind Dot as she's sitting down. Yes, and there are all like, these cast iron pots that. too. They're not, they're not yeah, steel, they're, they're like, cast iron. Yeah, you would need a really good storage system for those yeah. pots. <laughs> and that is stunning. It looked, it actually looked like something that West Elm would put out. <laughs> You know, like using... Except um, it'd be like made in China of crap. Well, like, it would be using... And it'd be like $400 and be made of from crap. from a barn somewhere. Oh, yeah, reclaimed, and reclaimed barn wood, wood oh, and iron. Yeah, I could see it. I could see it. And I vomit. would really want it, actually. Um, be like $4 million. But no, that thing is great. And I think I, I, think I deserve some points because <laughs> during the scene in Franny's Boudoir, when she and Jack are having their delicious banter, and the wallpaper. Oh, oh my gosh. Good job. I didn't write Thank that you. down. I get, yes, yeah. I get the gold Points star on this one. Okay, tell us about that wallpaper. The wallpaper, it's, it actually has sort of um, a 1950s look. It's stars, mm. a star pattern oh, yeah. um, that's repeated. It's The whole thing is just these great stars. They have kind of like an atomic look. That's why it made me think of the 50s. So, it, you know, maybe it is. Maybe that's just what was in that room. I don't know. It's... 
I can't think I don't, of it. I, I don't know. I mean, I cannot I was too attest busy staring to at her cleavage, basically. Well, right? Like, like yeah. I, that's why I think I get a point for yeah, this. Because I was looking past sure. them and actually looking at the room. Yeah. That, yeah, but the wallpaper is fantastic. I need to go and, watch that scene again. Yeah, I love it. I don't, I have no idea if it's period accurate, though, you know, given everything else in the show, I would have to believe it is. Years ago, I went to a really great quilt exhibit at the St. Louis Art Museum, which cool. I think I keep referencing. It's a really good museum, it turns yeah. out. Um, and it was it was old, like really old quilts. And yeah. what was fascinating is quilts from the mid-1800s had patterns that I attributed to like the 1950s in the U.S. And I came out of there with this idea of like, oh, right everything repeats itself. Oh, totally. Like I had Especially put, design. Right? Especially design like is fabric very design. self-referential. I had not put together that this pattern could be centuries old. Yeah. You know, it could have been going forever since Egyptian times. And every, but you know, I've just grown up at this one time period and yeah. attribute it to the decade, you know, well, in the US. Well, particularly like calico and, patterns like that. Like the, um, if you're, I, I'm th- if I'm thinking of the same thing, like, Mid nineteenth century quilts used very small pattern repeats, mm-hmm. what, what we'd call ditzy patterns. Yeah, um, because it's a very tiny, tiny, tiny repeat. Those were also popular in the nineteen thirties. These kind of very small print calico patterns. Also, um, small print patterns are very practical because um, big bold prints don't like most people don't look good in them. Like Franny mm. does, but most people can't really pull off the large prints. They're also um, Small prints are easier to hide things like stains. Right. So they were very popular as calico prints for like yeah. housewives, um, out on the frontier, et cetera, huh. et cetera. So they, and they were again very popular in the 1930s because people were poor right. at that time. And so they Having just did whatever was, everything. they were economical to print, they were economical yeah. to buy, they were easy to hide stains. Mm-hmm. And I think they were popular again in the 50s because of that sort of nostalgia, you know, housewives were back in the kitchen again, right. like there were housewives again. It, it's a very practical yeah, thing. Yeah, that's true. Well, and you also get more impact from a small space. So mm-hmm. like the amount of fabric you need to yeah, you get the pattern. Yeah, you can still feel kind of fancy uh-huh. without spending a ton of money. Right. Um, and yeah, now, if you look at like Civil War era quilts, they, they, there were a lot of those small patterns. When did they do the flower sack prints? That 1930s, okay. I think. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, and those flower sacks um, had those small patterns as well. And but they often were very colorful, even with a, a small number of like they'd print them with maybe four colors, but they'd get a lot of different color what variations. What an in amazing there. marketing tactic! Oh, totally. Right? Like I wish somebody would do that now. Well, you know, it's it's interesting because there's um, do you know Uppercase Magazine? That yes, really beautiful fancy magazine from Canada. She is published. She self published a series of books right now about those feed sacks. Really? Yeah, and it's. I think it's. I think they've just come out. What, do you know what it's called? I think it's just called Feed Sacks. It's like Encyclopedia Feed. of Feed Sacks or something. Okay. Um, I or, I pre-ordered one like months ago because she she did a not Kickstarter but she did like her own oh, like, like a crowdfunding. Okay. Yeah. And um, hmm. so I pledged. So I think I'll be getting my copy like soon. Ooh. Yeah. I would not mind yeah. looking at that. Okay. I will have that in the show notes. Yay. Cool. 
Yeah, well, I'm so I'm fascinated by the marketing, t- you know, technique of printing flower sacks so that women will buy that brand of flower because then they use this, the flower sack for their clothing and their children's clothing. And the, the, I mean, yes. it's so brilliant. Yeah, it's so completely perfect. brilliant. And plus, it was just gorgeous. But that was very much. I mean, it also it was re- also brilliant in that they knew that people didn't have a lot of money, so they were of course going to reuse mm-hmm. stuff. And and I. <sighs> You know, you say you want to see that come back. I think it may happen because now we're we're finally back. The the pendulum has kind of swung back to reusing things. You know, a lot of cities, including where including Seattle and Tacoma's going to pass one soon. I think have have banned plastic bags, mm-hmm. and so you're seeing the resurgence of like tote bags and people reusing things, reusing packaging. We have Tinkertopia, the amazing yeah. reuse space here in Tacoma. Um, I, I think something I think that sort of marketing may come back I hope it does I, I would so love too. to see like here's something else cool you can do with this packaging and so choose our brand because we have the coolest packaging which you can then and you know in Tacoma we have the ultimate reuse program called Tegro <laughs> which is it's where made of poop yep human waste has been human um, recycled and becomes lawn fertilizer. Yeah, um actually that you can buy. we we are now my husband and I we are the Tagro people because we're we bought a house that um had the same family for owning it for 70 years of its life. Um, it's a 95-year-old house and um they didn't so much as prune a twig in all that time so we had to like unbury a house from a forest of overgrowth and then um, we also live on a hill so it's hard to garden on that slope so um, my husband terraced the backyard he actually just finished like a couple days ago oh man and so he built a bunch of hand laid stone walls in the back it's gorgeous yeah it's really beautiful but that meant we had to truck in dirt to fill in all these terraces (laughs) and we use tagro that's so funny it's all tagro potting soil so love it i always know when i'm on walks when tagro season is like when people are oh, planting <laughs> yes i can smell it yeah oh yeah <laughs> the, the potting soil isn't isn't smelly okay like the the other stuff the what whatever, is the coarser stuff is the smelly stuff but the potting soil isn't isn't so bad yeah um and we get the potting soil because okay. it's finer and it's better for gardening anyway but um hmm. Yeah, we've had, <laughs> I think we've had three truckloads, de- or maybe oh, four geez. truckloads delivered at this point, and seeing these Tagro trucks, like, backing up into our alley, and, like, <laughs> it's a lot of poop. And I'm like, yes, recycling! <laughs> the ultimate recycling. So, yes, reuse, and flower stacks, and, yeah. I hope Franny's right. outfits don't reuse a thing. She is all about the, like, couture, and... Um, and can we please talk about those lacquer paper umbrellas? Oh my God. Like my brain exploded from joy with those things. Oh yeah. She's using it on the beach. Yeah. Right. She and Dot. They and each, they, or is it Jane? Uh, Jane, uh, I can't remember. Somebody's carrying a cooler, but maybe it's I Kip. think, I think Dot and Franny have the okay. umbrellas. And Jane Are these the umbrellas them? that they used in Queen of the Flowers when they were at the St. Kilda foreshore? Maybe. And Maybe. yeah, and because I, I think they are featured in but the book, but they're really too. prominent in here, and um, okay. they are so beautiful. Like I just like they're made of paper, and they have like and and they look. It looks like they actually used old stock for these because, mm. like, that would be my guess because no one makes those things anymore, right? And yeah. 
the lacquer has kind of that age yellowing mm. to it that only makes it more beautiful, mm-hmm. I think. And and then paired with the outfit that she's wearing with that that um, white skirt with the huge pleats, yeah, and the linen cloche and the, with the silk band around it that matches her red dotted silk blouse, and then she has those crocheted white gloves, yeah, the like, window pane oh. gloves from Murder in the Dark. I just am. Uh, and her even her buttons are covered. Oh, she has these covered the buttons, buttons with the, I know. the silk. Oh, uh, uh. yeah. So the outfit that she wears when she and Jack go to the dock, the crime scene. Yes, I. That was one that I was like shouting at the screen about. Yeah, and I think I was like shut and up when I saw the shoes. Too short. Like, yes. it's just I want. I just want to see. I just want her to walk back and forth, like up with and that, down that pier. Oh my gosh. Okay, so the blouse is white and red but it has buttons okay let me the red blouse with the wide white trim and matching yes. fa- fabric buttons and the buttons are on one it's, side it's of the, the waistband low, it's got like a drop waist yeah on it. yeah with a very wide waistband very with wide buttons on one side and it's, that it's, also, it's not a waistband it's a hip band really yeah that's it's, true yeah but it's all and it's the same side as the pleats on the yes. white skirt which are very and that, wide and it's a pleats. linen skirt too. Yeah. It's so, uh And so, yeah, the buttons just drop Poor right dot into the having pleats. to iron that thing 12 <laughs> times a day. But, no. but And then the uh, amazing scarf that's like bolted to her shoulder yes, with a with that brooch. Huge, yeah. And, and then that same fabric is the hat band on her, yes. on her hat. And the, the scene where she has her umbrella and she's walking and then she kneels down. And so that skirt drapes <sighs> so beautiful. It's not even, it's like a crouch, like she's crouching. Okay, and yeah. then that, <sighs> <laughs> the thing that made me shout at the screen though, was her shoes in the crime scene scene. I don't even she, remember. They are T-strap sandals. Oh, yes. That are like cream, red, and navy. Yes. And I... Beautiful. I want those shoes. Like, <laughs> I can't even... I can't even handle how badly I want those shoes. Yes. They're incredible. Yes. Even um, her beach bag. Yes, her beach bag with the... The striped the beach bag trim. with like... It, yes, and it has that beautiful like calico fabric lining. Yes. The contrasting lining. And Ugh. she stows all of the, the things she, she like steals, steals off the, the crunch bottle and, and then the pocket I love watch. When yeah. they're at the... When they're at... Uh, Constable Baxter's office, she like thumps it onto his desk right yeah. in the middle. She basically takes over with that giant tote bag. It's so good. Poor Officer Baxter. He's like a terrible cop, but he really gets it from all sides but with Jack and like, Franny. And what an idiot. Yeah. What, what a moron. He's under the pier and he's like, okay, little lady, I'll take care of this. Right. Meanwhile, she's actually tampering with evidence and he doesn't even notice. <laughs> he doesn't. He's just <laughs> trampling. She's like, oh, but you're trampling. He's like, yeah, but you're a lady. And we right. should leave and go home. Right. But yeah. Ugh. And, he, we, and I love when we return to the pier at night. Friday and Jack. Yes. I, I see you making... <laughs> you, you, just, you just take it. Just take it. Oh my gosh. That scene. And there are so many. It starts when she and Jack are sitting at the dining table, the dining room table together and he comes with the tide chart and what's funny is they're like commiserating very quietly like when is the tide out and they're they're like whispering in this secretive way but it shouldn't be a secret that they're doing this so why are they so conspiratorial is it it so that that mrs what's it doesn't overhear why do they not want her to hear I, I think you're right, but I can't, like, because the plot is so convoluted in my head, I cannot figure out why they wouldn't, 
are they, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why they're whispering about this particular information, but I love it because I just love them whispering. Um, So anyway, they meet up very early in the morning at the dock and I love the transition. The full moon high in the sky becomes the street street light that Jack is standing under in a very like 1920s detective um, pose you yeah. know, with his fedora and everything and then we see Franny sneak up behind him and he is not he's like mm, shouldn't have worn that French perfume <laughs> I know he said so good what took you so long and she's like oh I was so quiet I was quiet as a mouse a mouse that wears French, French perfume, perfume. So I'll wear good. less next time it's great and because ah, often ha-ha. in their encounters it's often her getting the better of him mm-hmm. in a fun way and this time it's it's reversed yeah and I I love that he kind of foils her yes bit. and she's very annoyed that she got foiled and but she um comes back with a really great like double entendre to make him uncomfortable but he doesn't he's not uncomfortable like he I, mi- I missed it what so I she's he says a mouse that wears French perfume and she says I'll wear less next time oh <laughs> And he doesn't get a like he doesn't turn red. I think he usually blushes. That's when huge she does job, that. though. That's but huge job. But this time he just like meets her eye, and he's they like, both kind of have okay. a mischievous smirk. Yeah, you do, totally. You do that. Like he's he's on board more than he normally is. Yeah, particularly in this episode, but I think all of season two, he's like kind of right in there with her, which yeah. is really fun. Um, well, so you know, yeah, yeah. What? Well, his divorce. It's, he's, he's divorced now. He's divorced. He's a free he, he agent. Can, he can join in now. Yes, he can. And he does. <laughs> and but, and when they they hang off the pier yeah. together, I just, <laughs> it's so charming. It is. It's also like, there's no way they could actually be hanging for a while like that. And yeah. then it would be very hard work. It's, but whatever. It would. And you'd be like pulling and then your shoulders both, out. So then they both drop into the water and go home. But let's think about what happens after they drop. <laughs> like they both drop off the pier into the water, so they're going to be totally soaking wet. And he's wearing and a heavy trench coat, and she's, and she's wearing a coat. She's going to win a wet T-shirt contest uh-huh. after all of that. Yep. And he's like, "It's only right that I escort you home because you're and dripping then wet." Cut to nothing except the next morning. So don't worry. This is where fan fiction is very oh, generous. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, in its depiction of what happens in the in between, so yeah, that's that scene. It's just really fun. I don't actually care about like their investigating of what the guys are doing. Right? Who cares? Yeah, who cares? And also, they totally would have gotten found out, but whatever. Yeah. So I um the so the next morning is when they they find the hooch in the she finds the hooch in the the buffet oh, yeah. in the in the dining room and I wrote down my, this is verbatim quote from my notes Mrs. What's it in a move that surprises no one I'm <laughs> <laughs> uh, not quite myself oh, the old hooch uh, in the teacup trick yeah. like really I'm looking for something yeah 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 my booze. <laughs> <laughs> I love that she pours that awful booze in the in the, the plant, plant, and I'm thinking plant. that poor plant. It's yep. not gonna totally. The, a lot of the plants get um, bad booze poured in them in this show. Queen of the yeah. Flowers, they do it at the the old guy's house. Yeah, and Hugh is able to like dump oh, his brandy or whatever brandy with the with the chunks in particulates. it particulates. <laughs> so Ew. gross, as Jimmy Fallon would say. Yeah. <laughs> Um, 
<laughs> I I have no idea where we are on the episode. I just have random. I don't know. Ran, it's it's all random from here on out. Like yeah, I do have um when they're in the Queenscliff Cliff train station and Dot has the idea to to say oh that that train conductor was too mm-hmm. cooperative. All I notice is in the background there's some beautiful sign lettering. <laughs> behind them. There's like a hand-painted sign for St. Bruno in there, and I'm like, yeah! Nice. (laughs) There, yeah, the the temperance sign at the front of the McNaster house, the porch, yeah, it's really funny. Also nice, yes. And then the pier building um, that we see so much of, there's that, I mean, it must have been recently restored before they Mm. shot it there, because it has a brand new paint job which is so yeah. beautiful that kind of red and yellow oh. and then those beautiful archways with yes, like the with circular the circle. yeah oh, I love that and it's all like bent wood it's yeah. really really beautiful it's stunning very Victorian mm-hmm. just lovely it, yeah they must have just redone that it's beautiful well especially on a pier like that it would that would get a lot of that would take a beating yeah it would um, with the weather but oh it's just it's so beautiful oh and I also wrote scene under pier heart 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 <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so love that scene. I love many things about it. They're like shoulder to shoulder laying on the sand yeah. under the boardwalk. Yeah, that song totally plays in my head. But mm-hmm. I, so I love how close they are on the sand. Like they're not together, huh? Which they're just under lying the, on the Under the pier? Under the that pier. That's super gross. Also, and there was a dead guy yes, there. That's where the body and was. Gross, like, see, like, we live in a coastal area. We have tidal areas, and I've walked under piers and yeah. things at low tide, and it is gross and it's smelly. Gross. Like, you don't lie under a pier <laughs> at low tide. You just don't. It's too gross. Right. And not in all of your beach finery. This is not where you choose to have your picnic. Yeah, no. Especially, like, the day after the a dead, dead body was. was. No, yeah. I know. No. I mean, it's still a crime scene. Is it not active right. anymore? Whatever. Well, is so, it a crime scene if the tide goes in and out? I don't I don't know. But well, I just remember seeing that and like I love that scene, but I'm like, oh honey, you're gonna need a shower yeah. after that. Like it's gonna be gross. Yeah. You're gonna smell like <laughs> There's a reason that they were there. They wanted to be hidden, but there are reasons Ugh, they shouldn't have been there. In the like beach every debris other at reason. low tide. No. Yeah. It was pretty pretty gross right there. Yeah. But anyway, they're having a great time having their little like fish and chips lunch date. And as that scene begins, Jack is totally laughing at something that happened off camera. And I I I rewound the scene so many times. You're so good at noticing this stuff. Because apparently I'm a major stalker. Like, I (laughs) I guess that's what this is. As long as you don't gift stalk, you're fine. Yeah, yeah, right? (laughs) I'm probably a gift stalker to some degree, too. But I will be very conscious of that now that there's an established terminology for it. Um, So, yeah, he's definitely, like, they're laughing at something as the scene begins. And I'm so curious what they were laughing at because they were talking she probably like was like something... I, have, I have sand in my clam or something right. like <laughs> sand <in the> clam. <sighs> but that's a great little scene and then mm. their plan totally works and they listen to of the course. guys battling very poorly like hey what the hell do you think you're doing like they kind of i'm gonna punch you yeah now. yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then uh, the one guy tosses the dagger off the pier, which necessitates... <gasps> Hugh and Jack! Hugh and Jack in there, some suits. And, and Friday's in a swimsuit, too, with a cape! cape. 
oh my gosh, the suit. Yeah. So, and the suit has like a belt with a gold belt. It's buckle. like Wonder I mean, it's Woman's a, 1920s yes, swimsuit. It completely is. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, so I was trying to figure out the construction of the cape slash scarf. And, and I, it, don't I don't think it's a true cape. I think, I don't, I think it's, I think it, instead of a cape that goes around the back and, and I don't know this for sure because we don't see the back of it, but I think instead of a cape that goes along across her shoulders, I think it's actually two separate little armhole yeah. capes. Like I think it wraps around the back. I think so too. I think it's stitched along that back seam of the armhole. There's like a like so a belt like loop wings, or fastening. wings rather yeah. than a cape. Yeah, I know I've seen pictures of it on like Tumblr or I mean in, <laughs> in various gift sets of her costumes, and um, but I couldn't remember what happens actually in the back. But yes, it's a cape for all intents well, and purposes. She's a superhero. She's, Hello, she is a superhero, and I love how she and Dot are just up on the beach licking their ice cream cones, watching the boys licking the it's ice so cream. Great. It's so like it's just so suggestive, unabashedly. Um, voyeuristic. Totally. Like they're just, they're there for the we're, entertainment. And Dot is partaking, like we're watching yes. the boys and we're licking ice cream. Yep. Like, like that's the show <sighs> over there in the water. I and also wrote down that Jack's wet hair, heart, heart. <laughs> I think it's hilarious how often his, the, the flopping of the front oh, of his hair, I'm because his for, pomade has come out, I is like, not handle it. It's a constant thing. It's like, you know, the I think fiction. last time I talked about how I'm a sucker for hands. Oh, like this the, too. The, yo. What you, <laughs> you are dead. I'm a goner. You I'm are dead. A, you like, should really not ever read any fan fiction or you will, <laughs> you will die. I'll probably like never be productive ever again. Yeah. Like I'll get that's what in. happened to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yes, the hair flopping forward is basically. A I'm constant. finding out that like Jack is so squarely my type. It's not even funny. Like, I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I think your husband is. He is that type. Very similar. He so, is. He yeah. actually kind of looks like Nathan Page. And I, the first time I figured that out, I'm like, I'm lucky. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I think you are. Yeah. Well done. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I did well. Yeah. That's so funny. Um, yeah. And, and the, he also the, dresses like it's 1928. He so. totally does. Yeah. Yeah. Score. Yeah, you basically married Jack, so that was um, yeah. well played. Well played, Chandler. <laughs> <laughs> but this swimsuit scene, I love the, the modesty panels. They yes. are so big. Like the suits are just so <laughs> I, big. I have I love early like I so I don't even own a swimsuit because I hate modern swimsuits so much. Like <laughs> I I have such a complex about wearing swimsuits. Yeah. I know that there's like I a whole like we could like like a I could write a feminist treatise on yeah. like how screwed up swimsuit culture is and blah blah blah. So I kind of have a thing for old timey. They they sometimes were made of wool. Like, oh, I just like threw up in my mouth a little. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? Gross. It holds its shape though. Like like wool is elastic though, so that's yeah, what they would have had. Wool. Like I know it's wool in the water. That's so gross. Yeah. And then also it's really insulating. So at the time that you're going into the water to get cooled off, the wool is like keeping all of your body True. And wool, yeah, wool stays warm even when it's wet. That's one of its properties. I mean, great. But what else? I mean, I don't know what else they could have used because linen would just get completely screwed up. Cotton wouldn't. 
do very well. Cotton and also cotton would not be modest. Cotton would just right. It would see everything once that got wet. Like (laughs) yeah, that's that's true. Hmm. Well, yeah, I think wool wool was the wool was the the thing. I I don't know. I I I can't because I've never worn a wool bathing suit. (laughs) Maybe I need to take one for the team and like test it. I wouldn't put you through that even for this. I think I think it would have done better than we think. I think it actually. You wool may. is a pretty amazing fiber. I yeah. I think wool bathing suits probably would have done better than we think. And but I they must I mean there's a reason that they were the main fabric for so long, like even with bathing yeah. suits. So yeah, I think you're you're right. I just I really don't People want to personally find out. People used to wear wool out. tunics into battle, so Yeah. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. I, I really want to research this now. I think I also wrote down were waffle cones and like, did they have oh. waffle cones in Australia at that time? Because I know that the waffle cone was invented in yes. St. Louis. Yes, it was. You can see me. I was <laughs> all like rearing we're, up. We're like, flapping oh, like oh, chickens me, right me, now. Me, me, me. Yes. Go for it. Ni- I, what? 1904 World's Fair, St. Louis. Oh, okay. There you I, go. I'm pretty sure that's it. I did a, I did a, I did a 50 state series. And when I did my Missouri print, I put a waffle cone in it. Did you? I get thought any, of you the whole time. Did you get any heated feedback from anybody from Missouri who was like, "That's not accurate"? No. Although not okay. yet. I just finished it, so maybe oh, okay. maybe the hate so. mail will start. Like <laughs> <laughs> waffle cone hate mail. Uh, That's my band. That's your band. I'm going to start a band called Waffle Cone Hate Mail. <laughs> I love it. That's a great. I have name. a file of absurd band names on that one. That's going in there. <laughs> I'm writing it down. Waffle cone invention is what I'm Googling right now. Uh, Yep, 1904 St. Louis World's Fair. Good job. His waffle booth was next to an ice cream vendor who ran short of dishes. Hot damn. Right? Well, that's like... The universe will provide. The hot dog in a bun was... So, okay, both Chicago and St. Louis fight over the invention of the hot dog. Right. the popular lore goes that at the Chicago World's Fair, they had a there was a sausage vendor, vendor who didn't who ran out of like silverware uh, plates or yeah, yeah. and so they oh, yeah, stuck it, it in a bread roll and yep there you go box right. your uncle box your uncle actually weirdly my husband just used that yesterday it's, I actually do have a uncle Bob so <laughs> Bob really is my uncle I have a cousin Bob so it doesn't exactly work but, but your kids but no. No, no, they are not. They are not. Bob's your first cousin once removed. <laughs> <laughs> not quite the same yeah. ring. Sayings but. that failed. <laughs> dot com. <laughs> oh, um, I'm, I'm sorry. So yes. I'm planning out my first album here for Waffle Cone Hate Mail. <laughs> <laughs> I will pre-order that album. Thank you. <laughs> Um, it's so, like a Victorian punk rock, sort of like Gogol Bordello, maybe. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Off oh, topic. So back to the beach scene. We've established waffle cones had been invented already. Mm. I don't know if they would have made it, you know, to the other side of the world, but whatever, probably. Yeah. But I do, as you mentioned, Dot is fully participating in the ogling, ogling. of the men. Yes. And then when Hugh gets up to her at, on the beach and she's like wiping him off of the beach and she's got this look 
That is so adorable. It's like she's finally able to show in public how like head over heels she is in love with him because she's like, you were under for ages. I thought you drowned. And she's all like giggly. Mini sexual awakening happening right there. Like (laughs) definitely in public, in front of her coworkers. And Franny's like, that's my girl. Yep. And Franny is, I think, making full use of the fact that she's wearing sunglasses. Um, as Jack. Okay. Uh, Let me just say like for, for all that, you know, women are often the, the recipient of, or on the, on the receiving end of, of someone's gaze. mm -hmm. Um, I'll just say, I'm just going to cop to this. Like women, ever since the invention of sunglasses, women have hid, like ogled behind sunglasses. I have used it. I'm sure you have. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Take advantage of the sunglasses, lady. There's a point in the fall where I have to remind myself, you're not wearing sunglasses anymore. Because I'm so used to just openly staring. And it's not always at men. Not always. No. It's other stuff. It's like stuff that you just shouldn't probably stare. Sometimes it's just like, wow, I love that outfit. But I don't really want to make you uncomfortable because I'm staring at you. But I'm not staring at you in that way. I'm staring at you because you're wearing nice things. (laughs) Yes, exactly. But then I have to like switch my brain over to nope. Everyone can see your eyes. You know, I also, as an artist, like I I sketch a lot out in the world. And so I frequently am staring at people because I'm sketching them. Yes. And I often use sunglasses because I don't want to freak people out. Yeah, totally. Because it's like, I'm not staring at you because I'm a psycho. I'm scaring, I'm drawing you. I'm just (laughs) putting you down on pencil and paper forever. I hope it's not creepy. (laughs) I have a friend who's a photographer and she was doing a series um, that required her to take pictures of random people yeah but people get real creeped out when you just start they shooting do photos. especially now because so many pe- people are photographing oh, yeah. more now like yeah this was probably 10 15 years ago this is well before a lot of social media i mean well before our facebook this was a long time ago but even so people were like skittish about random right. people taking their pictures and right. so i was the foil so she, oh. I would stand there and be like, look at me in a random street in Seattle needing my picture taken. And yeah. she's like, click, 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 click. Good job. Yeah. You know, I've, I do that too. Um, I will do this thing where I... I pretend that I'm taking a picture of something that's like just over the person's shoulder and that I'm really careful that when I remove the camera from my face, I'm not looking at them. I'm looking over at the thing that I'm pretending. Yes. And it it works. It actually really works. People will be like, are you taking, oh no, she's taking a picture of that thing over there. Uh I have totally done that. My, even my kids know when I am taking a picture and they'll get into like this pose Yeah, and they'll start going, cheese. And so I have to pretend as I'm pulling my phone down, then I'm not actually taking right. pictures so right. that I can get them acting naturally. Yeah. My, my cousin's wife, um, does, she has two small, they have two small kids, two little girls. They're the most beautiful children who ever lived. Oh my God. Um, and she, my, my cousin-in-law, I guess she takes really beautiful photographs of them. Mm. She's a really talented photographer, but she has those kids trained. Like they're, they're really young. They're like four and two, I think. Yeah. They're very young those kids. Are, yeah. And they're so funny. I'll be out with them and we'll pass like a brick wall and those kids will like run over to the wall and like pose in front of it. Because <laughs> most of her they, pictures. They recognize the background potential. Oh, totally. of, oh, oh my gosh. Yeah, it's that's incredible. Hilarious. It is really so funny. So funny. And then she'll just roll it. She's like, I did this to them. Like, <laughs> that is so funny. I love it. Yeah. Uh, um, beach is what we were talking about, I yeah. believe. So. Also, men's swimsuits. 
Yeah. Hue and I think a white swimsuit on a man. It's yeah, the a top move. The top is white. And but practical reasons, the bottom is not. Yes. When things get wet, they are more revealing. <laughs> but I like that that Jack is Jack, like his suits, is in he's in a somber even his bathing suit is mm-hmm. somber. Yep. That cracks. It's me not up. French gray, but it no. is navy. But, but and navy's his other go to color. That's true. Like that's warm his, gray like, and navy. Flashy vacation color. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, White trim. They both look very nice in well, those it, suits. It helps that, you know, Jack Nathan Page used to be an athlete, so he's still yeah, he's still pretty trained. well built. Like, thank you very much. Yes, the legs are uh, the muscle. Uh, it, I can't even I can't even talk about it. I can't. I lose speech. for clipped here. Yeah, I know. When I think about the muscles in those legs, are just insane. It's crazy. <sighs> yeah, and um, Hugo Johnson Bird is incredibly fit like we you don't he's always in his constable uniform you don't really see he's his, muscular he's he very is. muscular he's very muscular i and fear like very he compact. may go to seed one day oh no you know these kind of beefy guys when they get is when he, they're is like he beefy he's beefy okay he's a boxer we see right. him in the, i mean yeah. i don't know what he is in real life at all but he's he's pretty built but yeah. he's mu- he's more beefy muscular than like jack is more willowy muscular that's true he's okay he's wiry mm-hmm um, more beef on <laughs> Hugo Johnson. <laughs> just uh, I'm glad just that I, I'm glad that I can. Sorry, are you be sure you didn't put you. something alcoholic in right. this tea? <laughs> <laughs> no, nothing. Nothing away, at all. Away with rum by gum. <laughs> Next time. Um, um, oh, um, I, I, speaking of costumes and things, I did write a note that we, like you had mentioned lots of skirts in this, also lots of silk blouse, blouses, but mm. did you notice that Jack is still in his dark suits? Yeah, he is. Like, no linen suits for Jack That's at the true. beach. He's not going to go in Gerald's territory here. He is on duty. He is still in his gray suits, still in navy. I think that's pretty, <laughs> that's pretty great. Um, I, oh, and... You know, Mrs. What's It also has a really great outfit at one point. Um, when Aunt P confronts her about her financial situation. Oh, yeah. Um, she is wearing this very 1920s black and orange outfit, which is an unusual color combination. Hmm. But she really pulls it off. So her the, the camisole underneath, the kind of square neck camisole, which was so common then, is a kind of fall orange. And then her jacket is black which is pretty severe on a woman her age because she has this white hair but she really pulls it off i think Hmm. it's really a really beautiful moment Hmm. um and i also wrote down i love that friny changes into black for her evening skullduggery (laughs) is she um i don't think she's wearing the break-in beret no. Break and enter beret. I don't. The break TM. and enter beret. TM. Um, she's wearing a cloche, I think. I think that's a, right. Possibly a feather. I and think. then she jumps into the ocean with it. Yeah. Sorry, Dot. Yeah. Sucks to be you. Man, let's see. Blood. Um, <laughs> Seawater. What else is <laughs> Hopefully does Dot other know how to get fluids? out of clothing? Yeah, definitely bodily fluids. Of all, of all kinds. I wasn't going to go there, but 
Oh, I also love um, Franny's embroidered straw hat with a little yes, the little like sunburst yeah. design. Yeah, I know. Yarn. It's That's really very nice. Cute. And then she's wearing this beautiful at the end when when she and Jack have their little toast at the end. I love her little peacock blue blouse yes. and pants and that she's wearing and the, the trousers. blouse is velvet i think i think and that's it's right. kind of an like a light azure blue is that would would that it's be got the right? a little green in it it I, does I, I i'm voting peacock okay yeah okay. I'll go yeah first i was like colonial no it's not <laughs> it's not colonial blue it's yeah oh it's gorgeous yeah. yeah and it's got really interesting cuts like a v-neck but then and then the sleeves have a slit down the side so yeah that the Sleeves kind of fall away and there's they sort of flutter. It's very nice. Yeah. And I think the trousers are like navy blue I silk. I think that's right. And then gold strappy heels. So not that I've paid attention to. How many costume changes are in this episode? I don't know. Like, it's a lot. But the next one 18. has very few. Yeah. No, so there's like three outfits total, I think, yeah, in the next episode. Each, each episode, I don't know. Yeah. Some of them go through a lot. And I think this is probably the top it's one. Maybe, yeah. Although Murder a la Mode, which mm. is coming up very I'm soon, so excited. It's my I favorite know, one. Um, has a lot. So, yeah, many costume notes will, <clears throat> will be happening then. But, yeah. Um, I also like, um, I, I know we're jumping around like we have ADD here, but um, I, I like that. So when Phryne confronts Gerald or Gerald confronts Phryne in his study and yes. she figures out that the knife is missing from his little case. Mm-hmm. She calls for help, but doesn't need it. I like that she holds her own. Yes. At I, first I was getting mad. I was like, really? Yeah, this drove me crazy. She is too smart to do this. Yeah. She is too smart. You don't sit in the very place that you find the evidence with your back to the door and call to tell somebody. Guess what? I found all the evidence. <laughs> exactly. Not going Can to. Can you know- hear me? Yeah. Can you hear me, murderer? Yeah. It's true. She's too smart. We sold, we sold her out a little bit on that one. I think that they could have devised a different reason for her to be in the study and for Gerald to realize that she knew what he had done. But, you because know, I guess it didn't make me mad because I just constantly, murder, murder mysteries bug me anyway because I <laughs> yeah, just feel like true. the you whole thing have, is like, really? Yeah. I mean, they're tropey and they're like, yeah. It's just, so this just felt like another mystery moment. Like, okay. It it felt like one of those moments where you think you're like, oh, if I were in a horror movie, I would be dead right now. Like you right. never, you never, you never do answer this. the phone inside the house. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was one of those moments. And I feel like Franny would be in on the joke. She'd get like, oh yeah, I am in this room. I shouldn't actually be calling Jack right now to let him know what I know, but whatever. I do like that she holds her own very, very much. Yes. So and when Jack is, when Jack shows up to he, ostensibly rescue her, he's not needed. She has rescued, and it, this is this happens so often. Yeah. He finds her like still kind of out of breath because she has just she just knocked out the guy. Yeah. Or, like, with yeah. somebody, but she has done it, and he comes like a moment. He's he's basically on the Mister Butler schedule <laughs> of being helpful. <laughs> it's like just a little too late. Yeah, with a gun, not not a cricket bat, but um, no dressing gowns though. I think that. I'm not positive, but I think the thing that she knocks Gerald in the head with is the stone that he had her like creepily feel 
at the beginning of the episode when he's showing her the oh. study. You know, it's like that egg-shaped right. stone. He's like, it took four billion years for this to be created and you can hold it in the palm of your hand. And he like makes her hold it and she's kind of, I think that might it's be the moment whole, where she's like, like skeezed out by him. So many, so many men have that like, they're still little boys who want to mm-hmm. show you something. Yeah, like, and they don't know how to do it. I have family members who are like that. They'll be like, look at this, look at my toy. And I just, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I've, I just, that even in the most well-meaning people, I have, have kind of an aversion mm-hmm. to that. It's like, wow, you're well, four. A, yeah, and there's also like the proximity issue. If you have it sitting on a shelf and you're like, hey, go look at that thing. I found it. No, it's, it's really like, cool. No, I have to go get it and give it and to you give and it make to you. And yeah. make you like be here within inches of your presence to experience you experiencing Ugh. this for the first time like it's really it really creepy and gross yeah. yeah and the way he does it i i am thinking that this is the moment where she decides he is off the table in terms of bedability like he's just gross gross which he is um but yeah i think that might be the weapon that she uses to conk him at the end Good i'm not for positive her. but if if it is it's perfect good for her I think I'm out of notes except for um, the very end where they have their toast and Jack talks about the pirate girls of Collingwood. Mm-hmm. And isn't Franny, didn't Franny grow up yes, in Collingwood? Yes, she was a pirate girl of Collingwood <laughs> and they ruled the waves. <laughs> and I love her toast to him with the, the, for pirates, adventurers, and boys on bicycles. I think that is adorable. It is. You know, we just talked about like men, grown men still being like little boys wanting to show you things, but... This is much more innocent, like Jack saying, like, yeah, I collected coins when I was a boy, and then I mm-hmm. I sold them for a bicycle, and I, I just, I think that's so charming. And it is, and he's he's revealing himself and, I think, aspects of his childhood that have made him who he is now. Yeah. And we don't get to see that very often with him, and no. I think she's he, very... He doesn't show his hand very often. Right. I think she really appreciates that he's telling her this, and that she's seeing like a broader picture of him yeah. as a person. Well, and it's like the previous episode with the, you know, the, the man with his heart as deep as the Pacific yes. ocean. Like I just, oh. <sighs> <sighs> yeah, these little moments. I mean, they did such a good job with his character, just keeping everything close to his chest so that these little bits, these little moments that we get, they yeah. have to sustain us for quite some time because we get so few of them, but they yeah. do it pretty effectively. Um, I have a, an idea for a toast if Ooh, you're, if you're okay. game, um, unless you have something to I, add. Well, there was a quote that I thought was really funny. The conversation between Aunt P and Phryne mm. when, when they find the Johnsons and they've washed, the Johnsons have washed right. up on the beach. Oh yeah. And, remember the Johnsons? The whole reason right, that, the whole, yeah. Yeah. And so the whole household is learning that they've been found and they're dead. And Aunt P says, two more murders. Isn't that a little excessive even for you? <laughs> and Franny says, I didn't put in a request, Aunt P. So I mean, and at the beginning of the episode, we have Jack being like, well, how many people Who have been murdered? murdered this time? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Everywhere she goes. Um, but, I, but that's what I love about like the whole... I, I know I always bring up Murder, She Wrote, but that's always, like, she lives in this tiny town in Maine, and it's like, what is the body count of this tiny town? And nobody <laughs> ever pokes fun at it. Like, why is it that whenever she shows up for some family wedding or whatever, someone's going to get murdered? Yeah. And I just, I love that they actually poke fun at that in the show, because the whole thing is so silly. Yeah, it really is. Like, man, everywhere I go, someone gets bumped <laughs> off. What is with that? Can't I just have a normal vacation for once <laughs> in my life, please? Don't go to Disneyland. I can't even go get, to the beach. It's going to get real bad. 
Euro Disney is going to be a sad, sad well, thing. Well, then it would be like the Scooby-Doo ending. Like, pull that Mickey oh, head totally. off. totally. Yeah. I would have got away with it if it wasn't for you kids. <laughs> oh, here's a question. So, Hilly McNaster walks into the room and asks Franny, has your handsome friend figured this out or something? Oh, yeah. She asks her, has your handsome friend retrieved the coin? And Franny's like, my handsome friend. Oh, you mean Jack. Come on. What's the deal with that? Is she being honest? Like she truly did not know who Hilly meant? Or I don't believe that. Is she putting this on so that every, she is trying to pretend that like. I I would guess the latter. I hope it's the latter. It, I can't figure it out. It doesn't seem plausible. It does not. I mean, what other friend could she be talking about? Even if she, even if Hilly didn't use the word handsome, like has your friend retrieved the coin yet would suggest Jack to me. Yeah. Um, just because of the subject matter. Right. So I don't know. I'm trying to figure that one out. It's odd. It's it is an odd. odd line. Okay. I don't it's know. something I ponder every time I watch this episode. You, you are funny. <laughs> I am unhealthily I just obsessed. Ponder the, I, think. I just ponder the piping. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I was going to mention, um, the actors who play the dead body. Do you ever think about them? <laughs> <laughs> Not in this one, but I have done before. Like the the girl, the girl in um, Queen of the Flowers. Mm. There's all, endless jokes about like Law and Order. Like I've played dead body number three. Or, right. You know. yeah, there are a lot of dead bodies. <laughs> yeah. And then the same in this one. What is it like to be playing the dead body? Yeah. Do, do you, if you're an actor, do you get dead body headshots? Who? <laughs> like the um the guy who plays the dead body, uh what's it I don't know, was he Frank the Fish? I'm not really sure. I got all of the I got the nothing. fishing guys mixed up. But yeah. the one that gets washed up and that's when she steals the fob watch and the bottle of right. rum and all this stuff. As she's pulling the watch up out of the sand, it hits his face. And I rewound it a few times and oh, I swear yeah. his face ticks. Like, he, he twitches a little bit. Wouldn't you? Well, yes, I would. But it could also be just the watch hitting his face, and it makes the skin that move a little bit. Funny. I don't know. But, uh, yeah. Also, the fact that she could tell it was the same guy that she almost ran over was pretty amazing, even mm-hmm. for her. Like Maybe it his... was a striped apron. That was a pretty oh, snazzy apron. Yeah, it might be. Although, I don't remember there being... I don't, I don't remember. But you see, like, a quarter of his face in the sand, right. and she's like, oh, it's that guy. <laughs> Like, yeah, Ooh, no hit anywhere. I almost guy. ran him down. But it, it, after she almost ran him down, she just was like, yep, we're here. I mean, she <laughs> kind of didn't register it. Like, and I love MPs like the day trippers have taken over the oh, little yeah. like hoity toity speech. Riff rap. This, this place used to be great. It's very hipster. Like, oh, yeah, I used to live on Capitol Hill. <laughs> exactly. So done. Exactly. Brooklyn used to be so oh, cool. Williamsburg. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm pretty out now. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I, oh, sorry. One last bit under the heading of feminism. Mm. We have talked so many times about how the show establishes these nice relationships between women. Yeah. And I have to mention the one that Hilly and Aunt P have. And at the very end, Hilly's son has just been taken off to jail for murdering. And her servants are dead. And her servants, her servants are dead. Everybody now knows that she is a broke. Drunk. 
and a drunk. Like she's all of these things that are going to just. She's in short a hot mess. Yeah, a hot mess and part of society and they are going to take her down. And so Aunt P. And she was, yeah, she was like a pillar of the community. So Aunt P is like, I understand what you're going through. I'm going to stay here and we're going to stick it out together and I'm going to help you yeah. get back into society together. Yeah. And I love that. Go it's on, P. so sweet. Especially and really, since you would expect someone of her stature to to not touch her with a 10-foot pole totally. after that. Yeah. Like, like you're, you're tainted. She can't run back to Melbourne fast enough to get right. away from the hot mess that and is Hilly. And P does this more than once. Yeah. You know, she takes in the girl who is pregnant mm-hmm. and you know, has her on her staff and that's the end of the season. Right. That we find that out. But right. yeah. Yeah. So on peak for, for as traditional and stuffy as she can be, I don't know if it's personal growth or if she just has this other side to her. Mm-hmm. Like she, she actually is, looks out for, for people, yeah. which is great. It was just really nice. It was unexpected and yeah. made me remember all of the things I love about the show. And I've got, I, I've got all kinds of time for Aunt P. <laughs> She's, she's, she's in my good book. Yeah. She's a good in <laughs> good egg, a good egg. Yeah. So do you have thoughts on the toast? I do. Um, I, I, I don't want to piggyback on the pirates adventures and boys on bicycles because that's just so good that yeah. we can't improve that. But I do think this would be, it would be good to toast to all things in moderation, especially moderation. <laughs> I love that because you know what? Like, yeah, okay, I, I get the, the, the reasoning behind the temperance movement, but oh, are they ever tiresome. Right. And you know what? Prohibiting things that humans are going to go for, it never works. It has been proven time and time again. You just can't ban it outright. You just can't. Oh my gosh. It doesn't work. I want a t-shirt that says this. I I didn't make that up. I've heard oh, all okay. things in moderation including moderation. I've heard that before, so I, did, right. I didn't write that. But, I was going to attribute it to you. But I think that's a good toast. It's a great toast. All right, let me get a clinkable glass. <laughs> oh, yeah, not your paper cup. Oh, very nice. <laughs> <laughs> very blingy. All yeah. right, so to moderation in moderation. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> do, 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 do.